Welcome to the Ogletree Deacons podcast, a brief discussion of compelling legal issues and practical insights. Please note that the information in this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to be, nor should it be construed as legal advice. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or through your favorite podcast service. Please consider rating and reviewing so that we may continue to provide the content that covers your needs. Please enjoy the program. Welcome from Berlin. This is the first podcast of the German Orgetry Dickens office. My name is Andre Appel. I'm a counsel in the Berlin office. And with me is my lovely colleague, Jacqueline Piran, who is a partner here. Hi, Jacqueline. Yeah, thank you, Andre. And a very warm welcome also from me. Maybe a bit of background on the firm. Uh, many of you may know Ogletree Dickens already. We are one of the biggest employment law firms worldwide with more than 50 offices. And one of those offices is based in Germany in the very heart of Berlin city. Yes, and the, today's topic is the directive of the European Parliament on transparent and predictable working conditions in the European Union. It is a directive that goes back to 2019 and the aim of the directive was to protect in particular blue-collar employees, provide them with and provide them with reliable information and proof on their respective working conditions in writing. The directive was to be transposed into national law until the 1st of August, and as of today, about half of the 27 EU member states have already implemented the directive, uh, let's say implemented in time, including Germany. So, Jacqueline, what are now the most important facts about the new directive or the implementation into German law? Um, yes, let's maybe focus on the amendments that were made to the German Act on notification of employment conditions, which I will refer to further as the Act. Um, so the most critical amendment was certainly that um, all terms and conditions that now have to be documented under the Act need to be put in written form. And even though we had already the Act for quite a while, uh, including that written form requirement, now the German lawmaker included for the first time an enforcement measure, meaning like any infringement of the act can now be punished by administrative fines of up to 2,000 euro, which means in the future, probably employers may consider to comply with the act and document all the terms and conditions as required under the act in writing. And maybe just to explain, written form in this context means not email, not digital signature, not anything that is not signed, but it needs really a uh, written form in this context means really like the employer needs to print out an original document. This document needs 
this document needs to be signed with wet ink signature and then the document needs to be handed over to the employee. So the law explicitly has excluded any form of electronic uh, documentation. So like virtually concluded employment contracts will definitely not suffice to comply with the requirements of the Act. So that seems to be a bit strange in the year 2022. Why this written form, Jacqueline? Well, um, the lawmaker had probably in mind um, the blue-collar employees who may not have access to computers and the like. And so if they were provided with electronic documentation only, um, the fear by the lawmaker was that the employees would be left with any uh, proof on the terms and conditions of, of their employment, which the aim of the law was then to provide them with written proof um, of all terms and conditions. Mm -hmm. And for some um, employment contracts, the written form was also re uh, required before. Uh, for example, for uh, fixed-term contracts, um, to enforce the, the time limit, there was uh, the requirement to have a written, uh, handwritten, wet ink signed contract. And also, if you wanted, if the employer wanted to bind the employee with a post-contractual non-compete covenant, also that covenant was to um, needed to um, be in written form so it was not new but i thought we was a little bit further now we were a little bit further now isn't that not quite old-fashioned to say a nice word and that was clearly a topic that was discussed um, in the lawmaking pro process if Germany wouldn't get behind all the other European member states who already implemented the directive to up to date that is about half of the European member states and to my knowledge to my knowledge none of them imposed such a strict written form as Germany did here in particular since the European directive would have allowed also to provide for other means of documentation, for instance, electronic documentation by dig digital signature and the like. Now, I can imagine that for a genuine German employer who is present uh, uh, and has, has a HR department present, it may not be the biggest of the problems to print out a physical uh, employment contract and have it signed by both parties. But if we think about international companies with no HR department present, this might be an unsolvable problem. Or am I wrong, Jacqueline? No, you are absolutely correct, Andre. It's in fact a big issue, but not only for international companies, even in Germany, a lot of employers during the past two years of lockdown, um, they introduced electronic employment contracts too. And in my experience, in particular in this 
current job market, time is usually of the essence when concluding employment contracts. And you don't want necessarily to wait until the very first day of the employment until concluding a written employment contract. So basically, um, employers are, well, left a little bit between the rock and the hard place here because they still could continue concluding digital employment contracts but would need to follow up with written documentation in any event if they want to be compliant. So they could, for instance, consider that they conclude their employment contracts digitally like they did in the past, but then they might execute one extra hard copy of that very contract, have it signed by somebody in that German works location and have it handed over to their employees. So the law does not necessarily require that the contract will be signed by both parties again. So it would be sufficient if just one extra copy was printed and signed by the employer, unless, as we mentioned before, we had like strict written form requirements for time-limited contracts or for post-contractual non-compete covenants. But otherwise, it will be sufficient to execute just one extra copy be signed by the employer to the employees. Another option employers may consider is that they still conclude the employment contract digitally, but then at the same time or as a follow-up at the latest, at the very first day of the employment, they may provide a side letter to the employees, which is summarizing all those terms and conditions that need to be documented under the Act. And again, that side letter would need to be signed in the original and handed over to the employees. Also, employers may consider to obtain some kind of proof that the actual documentation was in fact handed over to the employees. So let's have a look at the dark side. Um, and let's say the employer forgot to produce a physical handwritten contract and hand it over. What is then? Well, there's at least a bit of good news in that respect because except for time-limited contracts, post-contractual non-compete covenants and other like specific written form requirements under German law, just the employment contracts as such will still be valid and enforceable, even if not documented properly in writing. So the worst case scenario in such a situation would be that the employer gets fined uh, with an administrative fine of up to 2,000 euro, but the contract as such would be would still be valid. Do you think it is a realistic scenario that fines will be um, enforced in the next time? Well, Andrew, that's certainly difficult to predict at this stage. But from all I know, so far, um, the German administration that would be in charge of prosecuting the act is still not set up properly. And in, on top of that, 
um, certainly you have to consider that the act was just implemented and employers were left with very little time to comply. So I would hope at least that uh, there would not be fines from the very beginning, but that, again, it's not us to predict on. So let's now have a look to what needs to be documented. So the major cornerstones that need to be documented in the employment contract. First thing is the remuneration needs to be documented. That was already before the case, but now uh, the remuneration must be in, uh, must be documented more extensively. Uh, that includes, but it is not limited to the base salary, bonus payments, the overtime compensation, if such a compensation has been agreed. Um, the premiums need to be documented uh, as well as extra payments. It is not clear for the moment if also fringe benefits, such as uh, gym memberships, for example, needs to be documented. And also uh, there is a little insecurity about completely voluntary um, benefits. But I would say if we document them into the employment contract, they would not be voluntary anymore. What uh, can you say about that? That's a very good point, Andre. Um, as you mentioned, like employers may be reluctant to include voluntary benefits in the employment contract, but what they may consider anyway under German law is when granting any voluntary benefits to complement them with a side letter making an explicit reservation that It's a voluntary benefit, um, which is granted as a one-time extra benefit only without creating any acquired rights to future benefits, uh, even if granted repeatedly. And we should not forget to say that also the due date of the remuneration uh, needs to be implemented in the contract as well as the payment method. So if the, um, the remuneration is paid in cash, this should be documented. But most of the time it would be wired into a bank account and also that fact should be documented. The next point is that um, all kind of all kinds of working time arrangements should be also documented in the contract, such as agreed break times and rest periods, if any, and also shift work arrangements, if this applies to the employment. So now there has also been a major change uh, with regards to the probationary period. Can you say something about that? Yeah, well, uh, that change does not so much relate to the act on notification of employment conditions, but there was a supplementary amendment made to the German part-time and fixed-term employment act. So now it's not only required to document any probationary period in writing, but under the German part-time and fixed-term employment act, it's now also required that the probationary period must be in proportion uh, for time-limited contracts to the term of that time-limited contract. 
And also, it must be in proportion to the complexity of the actual job duties of the employee. So under German law previously, um, it was possible to agree upon probationary periods of up to six months at maximum. But for time-limited contracts in future, this will not always be permissible anymore. In particular, if you have time-limited contracts of one year or less, employers may consider to provide for much shorter probationary periods than six months. So one could think, for instance, of like just providing for probationary periods of no more than one-fourth of the overall duration of the time-limited contract. Another important point is the change with regards to the termination procedure. So the termination procedure must now be described, such as the notice period must be included in the contract, as well as the fact that a termination notice needs to be also produced in writing. Written form is required also for the termination. Um, uh, notice that has always been the case, but now it must be written in the contract, as well as the three-week period to file a termination protection lawsuit after the employee has received a notice of termination. That is quite new. Yes, and that is certainly one of the reasons why employers may consider amending their employment contract templates because I personally in the past 25 years have never ever seen a German employment contract stipulating explicitly the three-week period to file a termination protection lawsuit. So and then the last major change we want to mention is uh, a change with regards to collective bargaining and works agreements. Jacqueline, it's your part. Yes, thank you, Andre. Um, so that is uh, something that was already included in the Act before, but what is new about that is, in fact, that employers may reference in any collective bargaining agreement or shop agreements concluded with the Works Council um, to comply with the documentation and notification requirements, so meaning they would not explicitly have to spell out all, let's say, shift work arrangements if there was a collective bargaining agreement or a works agreement concluded on that very topic. In such a case, they might simply reference in that specific collective agreement and similarly, it's also possible, according to the Act, to reference in statutory law provisions wherever that is uh, applicable to the terms and conditions of the employment with respect to the notification requirements. So that would be one possible solution for employers who do not wish to have extensive employment agreements that they may just reference in the relevant sections of statutory law or collective bargaining agreements. 
So these are the most important changes due to the EU Working Conditions Directive. We hope you enjoyed our presentation and we would love to have you next time also with you. Bye-bye from Berlin, from my side. Bye-bye also from me. We hope you enjoyed this podcast and we'll tune in for the next one. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us on the Ogletree Deacons podcast. You can subscribe to our podcasts on Apple Podcasts or through your favorite podcast service. Please consider rating and reviewing so that we may continue to provide the content that covers your needs. And remember, the information in this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be construed as legal advice.